You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count. For your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Homes.com knows having the right agent can make or break your home search. That's why they provide home shoppers with an agent directory that gives you a detailed look at each agent's experience, like the number of closed sales in a specific neighborhood, average price range, and more. It lets you easily connect with all the agents in the area you're searching so you can find the right agent with the right experience and ultimately the right home for you. Homes.com. We've done your homework. You know that feeling when you walk into your home? Take a deep breath and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. The Large Nerdron Collider podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Large Nerdron Collider, the podcast that's all about the geeky things happening in the world around us and how very excited we are about them. I'm Ariel Casting, and with me, as always, is Jonathan One-Up Strickland. Yeah. Hey, hang on, Ariel. I'm playing a... Uh playing a particularly tough level right here and i'm dead hi how you doing hi hey. uh, well i'm i'm envious that you're playing video games when we're recording and i'm not but uh, i mean you know i'm not playing okay. it well so there's that uh but i do <laughs> have a question for you so ariel this question doesn't have to do with video games actually what okay. is a geeky movie that you can practically quote all the way through? Uh, the Court Chester with Danny Kaye. Oh, wow. A classic. Yeah. And like I say, it's geeky because it's classic cinema and like you got to be a geek to be my age and know it. So, um, but it's if for anybody who doesn't know, it's a musical kind of Robin Hoodie story that stars Danny Kaye and the mom from Mary Poppins and a young Angela Lansbury. And it's funny and it's just delightful. It is. It is a delightful film. What about you, John? I mean, name one, Ariel. I can quote them all. No, uh, I think um, I think for me, I was going to say Big Trouble in Little China. That's that's mm-hmm. one I can quote pretty much all the way through. But uh, there are a couple of others that even go beyond that, like Princess Bride. I yeah. could easily quote all the way through. See, I, I felt like that was low-hanging fruit. Yeah, yeah, think- that's why. It's, uh, so the one I want to go with, though, is Clue. Okay. Yeah. I'm not shouting. That's- all right, I am. I'm shouting, I'm shouting, I'm shouting. <laughs> yes, one of the best films ever. It's why we, whenever we talk about Knives Out, which we almost did for this episode, I feel yes. like I feel like we need to bring up Clue as well. All right, well, well. And I'm excited for when we get a new Clue movie for you to digest <laughs> yeah i mean it's never going to be the same right like the performances in the original clue were something truly special i mean it could have just been a terrible movie and some people actually at the time thought it was but i think of it mm-hmm. as just a masterpiece of farcical comedy right it is it is unapologetically silly and i love that yeah 
Something I else agree. that is unapologetically silly, but perhaps wasn't meant to be considered that, is the He-Mans. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't think He-Man was originally considered to be anything other than a vehicle to sell toys. You are correct. I think as we've discussed in the past. Uh, and yet it has uh, found a way into so many of our hearts to love, uh, including <laughs> Kevin Smith's heart. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Smith, uh, who, who, of course, is behind the reboot, or actually the continuation mm-hmm. of the original He-Man. Yeah, so now it's Masters of the Universe Revelation and a trailer hit. So it showed a bit of the the animation style and sort of the tone of the new Masters of the Universe cartoon. And a lot of it looks really familiar. It's 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 kind of like the old cartoon, but more so. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things where it's like they took everything I loved and they just made it all better. Like, like muscles? when you talk about like well, they actually got rid of some muscles because when He-Man is Prince Adam, he looks a little bit scrawny. He does not like scrawny is the wrong word, but he's not just like a bodybuilder with a bowl cut. Um. That's true. Yeah. Adam in the original Adam versus He-Man there. It was like it was even more of a blatant, obvious secret identity than Clark Kent for a Superman. Right. Mm-hmm. Like it was yeah. like the only thing that's different is that He-Man's wearing a furry loincloth and this weird like harness thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, you know, they've changed up his costume a bit. They've changed his, his uh, process of turning into He-Man a bit. Uh, one of the articles that we read on Gizmodo compared it to a Sailor Moon transformation, which I thought was pretty funny. Um, yeah, that's fabulous. I like it. But when you think about things that hold up and a lot of them don't like from your childhood that you love and you watch it again, you're like, well, this doesn't hold up. This is what I imagine He-Man being. This is what I remember He-Man being when I was mm-hmm. a kid. As opposed so to if you went back and watched it, you would be like, ooh, but this looks like, oh, no, this is like all the cool stuff that my imagination yeah. was filling in the gaps of. And except it's this is what the cartoon is now. Mm-hmm. But with better animation and, you know, some some real violence. Yeah, not and- not not like a He-Man picks up a vehicle and tosses it somewhere and no one gets hurt. and. Yeah, yeah. And the article also points out that in the original cartoons, there's never any actual like combat. Like there's never mo- mm-hmm. a moment where He-Man is actively fighting someone like everyone's got swords and guns and stuff, but no one seems to ever actually use them against any other being. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I mean, and it doesn't the new one doesn't look, you know, if you watch the trailer, which we'll have linked in our show notes at large you can see the violence doesn't look over the top. It's not like invincible levels of violence, but right. it's just a little more actiony. And I will say, like, there are multiple times in this trailer, I was like, oh, yeah, He-Man reboot, cool, you know, that I was just going, oh, my gosh, yes, uh, watching the trailer. Uh, the first one was when Cringer, well, when they showed Battle Cat, not Cringer, but still, uh, I just... It's everything I want it to be. And I will admit they used uh, Holding Out for a Hero as their soundtrack for the trailer. And that I totally got duped by that. Yeah, uh, that will not be the only time Holding Out for a Hero makes an appearance in this episode, as it turns out. And I do love that song. It's just funny that it popped up twice in one week of geek news, Mm -hmm. right? Like two unrelated things. And you're just like, did the rights for the song come up or something? <laughs> like, <laughs> well, everybody likes using those more cl- classics, the wrong word, but the more recognizable, familiar songs of your yesterdays. Well, especially if you're if you're tapping into something that's either itself kind of a, a an old property that's being brought back or as is the case of the other thing that we'll talk about in a minute, it's uh, a property that one of the characters has an association with a past mm-hmm. era, though holding out for a hero is a little too late for that other character. I'm, I'm, I'm foreshadowing a lot. We'll get there though. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of things from our past, the next thing we're going to talk about is the fear street movies uh, written by RL Stein. If you are not familiar, he was one of the authors that was synonymous with horror for children. Yeah. When he I was, growing he up. was writing the goosebumps series. Yeah. Yeah, which I 
actually quite enjoyed. I, I'm guessing you might have been a little bit too old for them. Yeah, I I skipped over Goosebumps. I also skipped over What uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, which my dad wrote a few books in that series. Uh, but those came out after I had already kind of passed that that age, and I was already reading mostly like Stephen King stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, the Fear Street series is. Uh, you know, as much as I'm afraid of horror, I could read it and I could watch Are You Afraid of the Dark and Goosebumps most of the time with no problem. Um, but the Fear Street stories were always a little bit more for older children. Mm-hmm. They, I guess the books would have been rated PG. So just a little bit scarier than maybe your normal R.L. Stein fare. But the new movies that Netflix is coming out with are rated R. Yeah, uh, that's interesting that it's a... I mean, I don't know if it's because they're trying to target the the people who read the Fear Street books as they were growing up who are now older or if it's just, well, we want to be able to tell these stories, but something that doesn't come across that necessarily that intense or graphic in a book by definition is going to be a little more so in cinema. Mm -hmm. I don't know, Uh, but the three films are set during three different time periods, 1994. 1978 and 1666. And apparently that's the order that they will be released in. Like a movie one is 1994. Movie two is 1978. Movie three is 1666. So you're actually going back with each successive film, uh, which is interesting to me. Interesting. Yeah. It also feels like there are certain elements that definitely are going to sound familiar to people who read Stephen King or those of you out there who have read my dad's book, shadow show. The idea of uh, yeah. some sort of some sort of evil presence that every X amount of time resurfaces and mm-hmm. starts to cause problems again and then kind of goes into a dormant state for however long that seems to be at play here. Uh, there are a lot of vibes I was getting from this that were kind of akin to it or Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. I was getting that for the 94 and 78. Not so much in the 1666, though. No, that was that was a. Uh... Pretty intense. It's interesting to me because, like, I, I would say that they're trying to get teenagers. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's what's who Scream was trying to get wa- to watch, and I, I don't know if Scream was rated PG thirteen or R. Scream. I think the, the original yeah. Scream was rated R. Okay, and the newer one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't watch Scream for the first time until this past year, um, <laughs> because it's too scary. The opening ten minutes is too scary for me. Um, <laughs> But, uh, you know, I would say that, you know, they're just trying to reach out to the teenagers of today. But again, it's rated R. You know, I I feel like even kids nowadays, if they're nowadays are used to a little a little bit more um, harsh media are still caps caps that uh, entry age. Yeah. Well, I mean, it. I might actually watch this. I don't have any attachment to the the books. But mm-hmm. the the trailers looked interesting to me. I still don't yeah. I don't think I don't think this was a movie that was made for me or anything like that. But I feel like it looks like the style looks interesting and I'm a little intrigued by the story. So I'll probably check it out. All right. I might I might have you tell me about it <laughs> or <laughs> get you to enough. watch it with me because it looks kind of scary for me. Well, well uh, let me ask you this. Would you watch a movie about a video game character who gradually realizes that they are, in fact, a video game character? I I mean, that's also pretty scary, Jonathan. No, I'm kidding. Of course I would. Yes. Of course I would. So we're, we're referencing Free Guy. And uh, Free Guy is a film starring Ryan Reynolds. And uh, yeah, it's a sort of an action comedy science fiction film. Yeah. And it's one that we expected to get last year and got pushed off by the pandemic. And they finally released the new date, which is August 13th. uh, And I'm super excited about it. They also came out with a new trailer. And uh as Jonathan was mentioning right before we got on when we were figuring out show order, the new trailer is very different from the original. Yeah, uh, the original really focused on Ryan Reynolds' character and him gradually kind of coming to the realization that he is in a video game. Um, But the new trailer seems like he doesn't have that realization at all until a player 
who is you know represented within the game as a as another character uh forces him essentially there's a very they live kind of moment where she puts glasses on him that gives him the view the game view of the world um but in the original trailer he puts those on himself right he he they fall off of a player character that he kills a player character uh in defense of a bank that he works at where he just decides randomly that he he wants to change things up and instead of just allowing the bank to get robbed the way it typically is um and then as a result these glasses fall off that player character and he puts them on that's where he sees the the video game overlay and realizes that he's in a game um in the new trailer that doesn't happen it's the or at least it doesn't appear to happen instead it's this this woman uh character who makes him put on the glasses and thus have the realization so an interesting change. Um, the tone seems a little different between the two trailers, but uh, I also don't know if it hits me just right. There's there's a little bit too much going on in the frames for me. Like mm-hmm. like it's it's almost like you know you think of like a, a big open world game like Grand Theft Auto Online, except just imagine that every single block of the city in Grand Theft Auto Online is exploding on fire, being attacked by alien lizards, like all at the same time, all the time. And, and that's just a, that's maybe turning the dial up a little too far for me. I, you know, I've played video games like that and it's kind of hard to tell what's going on. You know, giant sandboxy, you're playing a version of Batman games or a version of Joker games. I can't remember the name of the game, but yeah, it, it can get pretty confusing. I'm, I am guessing as I think through the changes that possibly the reason that the character, uh, the character is known as Molotov girl gives free guy, his glasses, as opposed to him finding him is that there's that instant connection with the real world. Uh, It possibly might've been an edit. I'm completely riffing on this, but possibly an editing change to get the movie down to time. Yeah. And we don't know like how much, you know, reshoots might've been involved or anything like that. Mm -hmm. I am curious. I, this one I might just wait to watch at home. I, I I feel like it's the kind of movie that you're supposed to go see in the theater because mm-hmm. it's big action sequences. But with the amount of stuff going on, I'm reaching the age where if it's that much stuff going on the screen at once, I'm just gonna be like checked out. <laughs> I just I, I'm definitely gonna go see it. I feel like I don't know, I feel like it's it's uplifting, and it's especially watching Ryan Reynolds be another superhero who isn't Deadpool. Uh. I'm excited to see the contrast there. Well, now we're getting back to our, I need a hero uh, link because the next thing we want to talk about is a game coming out of Square Enix. It's their guardians of the galaxy game. And there's a trailer for it that Mm -hmm. also features the song. I need a hero uh, just as we were talking about earlier. Uh, So what did you think of this trailer? Uh, well, I felt like the music just didn't quite hit me. Uh, <laughs> so oddly enough, for He-Man, it works, but for Guardians of the Galaxy, it's right out. Well, it was interesting because this is this is getting into the weeds, but they used actually some of the verse as opposed to some of just jumping into the chorus for this trailer, which I thought was a great choice. But in re-watching the trailers back to back to be able to talk about them today, yeah, just the second time around didn't go, which which is sad. This game looks like a lot of fun. I really like Eidos Montreal's art style in this game. It's, you know, it's not based off of the characters from the movies, uh, like the Im- image-wise, uh, probably because they didn't have rights to those actors' images <laughs> for all times, as we often see in uh, Marvel and DC video games. Um, but I really like their character design. It looks like... Uh, a beautiful game. It looks like a fun story gameplay and it's got a lot of snark in it. So everything I'd want out of guardians of the galaxy, honestly, like a, a snarky mass effect kind of. Yeah. It looks, it looks, it looks fun. I would check this one out. This one, uh, the sense of humor definitely seems to be in keeping. They've got some cute little, um, Easter eggs in the trailer that hint mm-hmm. at some other usually, you know, fairly minor Marvel characters that make an appearance. Uh, so that's something to keep an eye out for. I think, uh, I think this looks like it's one that could be a lot of fun to play. So, uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, and, and it's we've... accessible because it's going to be, uh, 
cross-platform generate, cross-generational on platforms. So you can play it on the Xbox One or X Series or PlayStation Four or PlayStation Five. So that's yeah, that's awesome. that's that's good too. Yeah, I, I mean, there are a lot of people who are arguing that we need to have the current generation consoles get more dedicated games just for them. But at the same time, they are still hard to find. So they are maybe let those of us who don't have the new consoles a chance to play some games too. maybe games like a big shoot 'em up game that's set in a fantasy like D&D style setting with an irreverent sense of humor. You mean like the Tiny Tina Borderlands spinoff Wonderlands? Oh, God, Tiny Tina. No. <laughs> I I mean, she makes a good DM, Jonathan. That's true. They, they had the DLC Assault on Dragon Keep from several years ago, and I actually really enjoyed that that DLC. I thought it was really fun and it was a it was a fresh take on Borderlands, which does get a little samey as you play it. In fact, I, mm-hmm. I heard a lot of people complain about that with Borderlands 3, and I experienced it too. Ariel, I think I've even mentioned on this show that I started playing Borderlands 3 recently, thinking, oh, it's going to take me a while to catch up to where I left off, because I, I got the game when it first came out. Uh, no, mm-hmm. it turns out I had not played beyond maybe half an hour of that game. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, because it was just so samey that I just put it down and just never bothered. To, like other stuff came up, right? Um, so Tiny mm-hmm. Tina is a nice change. Yeah, I, I know that you've you've found her uh, a bit problematic in the past. Uh, she can be a little bit annoying. Um, but I, yeah, I this looks fun. I will admit, like the biggest draw for me, honestly, though, is a diamond encrusted pony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we can't say the the pony's name. Um, we could, but I don't want to because I don't want to admit to it. But uh, it was yeah, it was a pony that was named by um, Handsome Jack, as I recall. Handsome Jack is the one that gave yes. the pony that name. Yes, uh, but the other thing about this is the voice actors in this video game are it, like insane. Will Arnett, Wanda Sykes, Andy Samberg, just to name a few. Like. Mm-hmm. These are all people who I think are masters of comedy. So I, I think that this game will be really funny and a lot of fun. And yeah, prob- hopefully and not too samey same. No, I, I I would probably try this one out too, because I, I do like Borderlands gameplay for the most part. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like when the game series tries to push you into multiplayer. Like I like being able to do a single player experience because unless I can get a friend like Ariel to coordinate her schedule with mine. Uh, I don't like playing with like people I don't know. I just want to play with people I do mm-hmm. know. So, um, yeah. but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm curious about it. And um, there's lots of other E3 news, obviously that's come out. This is the week of E3, but we didn't want to go over all that. For one thing, there's just a ton of stuff on online about E3 and so many different, you know, trailers and, uh, presentations and stuff that if you want to find it, you can totally track it down. Uh, we just wanted to cover a couple that caught our eye. Yes. Yes. Something else that caught our eye this week was the first episode of Loki. So we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to attempt in an unspoilery way to discuss our thoughts on it. Yes. We'll get up to some mischief right after this break. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. 
LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. Mother's Day is coming, and mom doesn't want flowers. She wants a cocktail. Here's a hint. Get mom Bartesian. It's the countertop cocktail maker that creates your choice of over 60 premium cocktails in less than 30 seconds, each at the touch of a button. Flowers die. Happy hour comes back every day. So get mom the machine that makes amazing cocktails with real fruit juices and craft bitters. Best of all, get $50 off a Bartesian premium cocktail maker with the purchase of one pack of cocktail capsules. So, instead of getting mom a reason to fill a flower vase with water, get mom the easiest, fastest way to fill her glass with the floral notes of gin. The best cocktails are premium cocktails, and the best day to get it for mom is Mother's Day, because you can get $50 off now for a limited time. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother to get the best premium cocktail maker for mom at the best price for you. Artesian, premium cocktails on demand. So, Ariel, I assume you were anticipating Loki about as much as I was, like, as in to say, a lot. Yeah, as in, like, counting calendar days and... Reminding yourself that Wednesdays are the new Fridays? Yes, yeah, and being grateful that I'm getting the show two days earlier than the previous shows... Yes. Yeah. I I actually ended up watching it. I want to say I watched it. I might've watched it on Friday or no, it was Thursday night. So I had to, I had to essentially cut myself off from the internet for like a little more than 24 hours in order to not be spoiled because I was really anticipating Mm -hmm. this one a big, a lot too, because of kind of the groundwork I saw with WandaVision. And I really wanted to see, how they were going to kind of continue to set up the concept of the multiverse for stuff like Dr. Mm-hmm. Strange, which we know now is that multiverse of madness is the subtitle for that. So, um, yeah, I was really curious. I felt like Loki was not quite, uh, the same character that we've seen in the films. Like his character has changed a little bit, which is odd because he's literally plucked out of time in mm-hmm. part of it. Uh, Also, I was a little disappointed, if I'm going to be honest, with uh, one of the reveals that we got in the trailer. Uh, There's a sequence in the trailer that we saw where he's obviously standing in for an actual historical figure that was part of a really uh, iconic heist, I'll say. And Mm -hmm. the explanation we got and the, the version of that we got, we got it in the very first episode. And I was like, that's it. I was anticipating something so much bigger than that. Uh, So with that reveal uh, for, for people who've watched it, they'll know we're talking about. Uh, I didn't catch it in the trailer at all. And 
my husband was delighted because he had just been talking about that character in like three different friends groups. <laughs> mm. I don't know why. I don't know why. Uh, but it completely skipped me until they said it or until he said something about it. For me, I, I'm excited to see where the show goes. But the first episode was honestly just a little a little ho-hum. There were definitely really wonderful moments in it. And Tom Hiddleston gave a phenomenal performance, as did everybody else. But it was like largely a recap. Yeah, I felt, I felt like I felt like it was. It was trying to set a foundation, uh, but trying a little too hard. Like, mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I felt like not a lot happened in that first episode. Like, like I felt like it was treading water quite a bit until you got to the end. There was a sort of unnecessary escape sequence that literally doesn't go anywhere. Um, <laughs> and that was, that was a little frustrating. Like, I just felt like, like this could have been tightened up a bit and we could have moved on a little bit further into the story because they have set up that there is going to be uh, a pretty nasty antagonist. And I've got my mm -hmm. thoughts on who that antagonist is. Um, yeah. I think pretty much everyone probably thinks the same thing I do. So I'm not making myself special here on that, <laughs> but I mean, I get it. Like they have to set up that Loki is, is out of time both figuratively and literally that Loki does not understand the rules of the new world that he finds himself in. But so much of our time in that episode is spent on that. And I feel like we get it much earlier than, yeah. <laughs> than is necessary. Yeah. Well, and part of it is they had to logically, I guess, I hope this isn't a spoiler. If it is, we'll cut it out. But uh, they had to grow Loki. Uh, to a similar understanding as to where we left off with him, which is not the same place where that Loki left off. Yes. Okay. So yeah, that's a good point. So the Loki that's plucked out of time is a Loki that, uh, is shortly, I think we can say this because it's, it's, it ties into Endgame, And if you haven't seen Endgame, then you're really out of the loop here, but it ties that, that Loki is the Loki shortly after the battle of New York from the first mm -hmm. Avengers movie. He's so, still a villain there, mostly. Yeah, none of the stuff that follows Avengers has happened yet. So with that in mind, then this Loki is definitely going to have a different kind of bearing and attitude. Mm -hmm. And they try to address that in a way where Loki can have some very rapid character growth. And I, I get it. Like, the reason they need to do that is they need to get to a Loki who can be a collaborative partner mm -hmm. in the attempts to defeat this antagonist. Uh, you know, that's a necessity. And how do you do that with someone who just was literally just in a moment where he had nearly conquered earth? How do you get to that, you know, make that transition? I don't think it quite worked. I don't think it worked, at least not for me, uh, not to project it on anyone else. I don't think it was a bad episode. I think, like you said, I think the performances were great. There were a lot of moments that I found genuinely entertaining. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of the little side characters that I thought were amazing, and I hope we get to see more of them in future yeah. episodes. But it did not... It, it felt... It, it's weird to say it both felt rushed in the sense of the character development stuff felt rushed, and it also felt like it was treading water as far as, you know actual plot moving along. Yeah. I, I would imagine that's what it feels like working in the TVA. Hey-o. Yeah. Uh, time variance. Time authority. variance authority. Uh, I mean, that being said, WandaVision was the show I was least excited about when they announced these Marvel interim shows. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like it just was the one that came out of the gate swinging. It was the strongest one. So everything has to measure up to that. And I still am, I, I will watch the heck out of Loki. I'm still very excited about everything that's going to come. Um, you know, most times when I watch a show, I'm like, I'm going to give it past the first episode because the first episode is almost always set up. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so far, WandaVision is still at the top of the ranking for me. Well, in WandaVision, they just decided to take their time 
even giving you a hint about something wrong happening, right? Like, mm-hmm. like each of the, the first three episodes are with, with short deviations. They are very close to the kinds of sitcoms that they are parodying. And, mm-hmm. uh, and so they kind of stand on their own as those sort of things with a little bit of weirdness thrown in just, a, just enough for you to go like, but what's really going on? But because they were taking their time for world building um, and it was a truly enjoyable experience. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Whereas Loki, I felt like like they could have been doing more. And now granted, like the, the character stuff, Wilson's stuff, Owen Wilson's stuff was great, too. Like, I really liked his character. Um, and it would have been a shame to lose some of that. Of the two characters playing off each other. But I don't know. It just it wasn't quite zippy enough for me. I am hoping that the second episode, which will be live by the time this episode goes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm hoping that that one feels like it's more on track. Like now that they've got the, the basics down uh, that they can really take off. Also, I'm looking forward to seeing the Georgia Renaissance festival <laughs> in the Marvel yes. cinematic universe. Yes. Yeah. I, I'm looking forward to that too. Uh, and I'm also hopeful that this one will allow Loki to join back into the MCU stream because he really is one of my favorite characters, him and the Hulk. From what I understand, this series is designed so that it can be an ongoing series. So it may be that Loki can continue, but maybe not as part of the main MCU timeline. It might be that Loki is from kind of a separate entity that continues to do work for the TVA or is on the run from the TVA. He can, he can join Randall Park and they can have a a buddy, buddy cop Marvel show. Yeah. Yeah. That would be fun. (laughs) It'd be, it would be a weird, listen, I I would love to see both of those characters in lots more stuff. So I'm not going to object, but yeah, I'm, I'm cautiously um, looking forward to the next few episodes and I didn't hate the first episode. I want to make that clear too. I just mm-hmm. felt like it did not quite live up to my expectations. Uh, I would probably put it on par with Falcon and the winter soldier in that. Although my, my expectations for Falcon, and the winter soldier were much lower because <laughs> I mm-hmm. didn't expect much from it, but it turned out to be a, a good uh, series as well. Uh, but yeah, like the, the Falcon and the winter soldier starting off didn't quite hook me either until really episode two. So um, we'll see if that that's true with Loki. Yeah, I have to agree with you there. Well, we've got a couple of interesting (laughs) properties to mash up together when we come back and they will tie into a couple of other news items that we'll cover very quickly before we go into the mashup. So because we've got to prep some, let's go into a quick break. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. 
Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian cocktail maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. Now I'd like to introduce you to Meaningful Beauty, the famed skincare brand created by iconic supermodel Cindy Crawford. It's her secret to absolutely gorgeous skin. Meaningful Beauty makes powerful and effective skincare simple, and it's loved by millions of women. It's formulated for all ages and all skin tones and types, and it's designed to work as a complete skincare system, leaving your skin feeling soft, smooth, and nourished. I recommend starting with Cindy's Full Regimen, which contains all five of her best-selling products, including the amazing Youth Activating Melody. Melon Serum. This next generation serum has the power of melon leaf stem cell technology. It's melon leaf stem cells encapsulated for freshness and released onto the skin to support a visible reduction in the appearance of wrinkles. With thousands of glowing five-star reviews, why not give it a try? Subscribe today and you can get the amazing Meaningful Beauty system for just $49.95. That includes our introductory five-piece system, free gifts, free shipping, and a 60-day money-back guarantee. All of that available at MeaningfulBeauty.com. So this week's mashup, uh, welcome back everybody, was inspired by a couple of news articles that at least one of them we've touched on a little bit, and that is that Aquaman 2 just got its title, and they just released what the title is going to be, and also there's some news about an HBO uh, Scooby-Doo spinoff show. Um, So Jonathan, do you want to talk a little bit about Aquaman? Sure, I'll talk about Fishboy. Uh, so Aquaman, <laughs> the, the sequel's name is Aquaman and the Lost Kingdom. So I, I fully expect him to encounter Harrison Ford and have a Indiana Jones adventure under the sea. Darling, it's better down where it's wetter. Take it from me. <laughs> uh, that movie is currently slated to, to go into theaters on December 16th, 2022. So assuming that, you know, People behave themselves and we don't have another pandemic to deal with. That should be when we actually see that come to theaters. Um, Yeah. And, uh, you know, I watched the first Aquaman movie. I thought that it had some entertaining moments, but kind of like free guy. I also felt that there were times where there was just way too much going on on the screen. And I was like, yeah, this is my eyes are too old for this movie. So, (laughs) so uh, I'm curious about this. It's, it's going to be, another big spectacle film. I am absolutely certain of that, but um, yeah, that's it. It's uh, Aquaman and the lost kingdom. And uh, if it does come out on December 16th, 2022, it will also apparently go head to head with another long anticipated sequel, avatar Two, avatar, the huge hit movie that made way too much money. And yet anyone I talk to who has seen it can't name any characters from that film. That is that is also getting way too many uh, sequels. Yes. Uh, the the other news article we have is that HBO Max is doing a Scooby-Doo spinoff. Like I said, it's called Velma. It's not really for kids, though they did release some details about it at the TV Kids Summer Festival. And this obviously is focusing on Velma. She's going to be voiced by... Um, Mindy Kaling, she's going to be of East Asian descent. Uh, and and so that kind of gives Velma a little bit more of an uh, interesting backstory as opposed to just being the kind of book nerd that she has been in the past. Uh, and it's going to have Daphne and Fred and Shaggy in it, but it's not going to have Scooby-Doo. And it's not going to have a mystery machine van. Well, maybe it'll have a mystery machine. It may not be a van. 
Um, and apparently, even though there's no Scooby-Doo, Shaggy might speak dog? I'm not really sure. Um, so initially, my thoughts were, how can you have Scooby-Doo without Scooby-Doo? Even though the show's called Velma, so I guess that answers the question. But then in writing my Scooby-Doo Aquaman mashup, guess what? Your mashup doesn't have Scooby-Doo in it? My mashup does not have Scooby-Doo in it. Interesting. <laughs> so, color me ashamed for being so judgmental. Uh, <laughs> so, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Um, That's an excellent question. You know what? I think I'll go first this time. Okay. Uh, I'm calling this one Wet Curry. Okay, here <laughs> we go. <clears throat> Arthur Curry has a problem. The old abandoned amusement park on the outskirts of Atlantis is said to be haunted. But Arthur suspects something else is going on. He just can't seem to figure it out. So Arthur, aka Aquaman, decides to contact his friends to see if they can help him uncover the mystery. Unfortunately, all the rest of the super friends aren't answering their phones. Aquaman tries texting Wonder Woman, no luck. He tries getting Batman on the bat phone, but it goes straight to bat voicemail instead. Superman has never, not once in Aquaman's life, ever even acknowledged that he exists. In fact, most of the time Superman doesn't seem to notice that anyone exists. He's a jerk, that Superman. Even Jaina and Zan brush him off, but that's okay because Atlantis is underwater and Zan kind of just isn't much help down there. Or up there, for that matter. Sans a loser. So, Arthur turns to the next best thing. His friends at the Justice League might not help him, but his old buddy Dobie Gillis sure could. He could call on Dobie and Zelda and Talia and, and Maynard, except he, he gets lost in the apartment building and knocks on the wrong door. And a guy who looks a lot like Dobie Gillis, but isn't Dobie Gillis, answers. His name is Shaggy. Before Arthur can even apologize for his mistake, he finds himself in conversation with four young people. Shaggy, Velma, Daphne, and Fred. Oh, and a dog named Scooby-Doo, who can sort of talk? But then Aquaman has seen chariots pulled by giant crabs, so he's totally down with it. Aquaman explains his predicament, and the gang agrees to help him out. They first rifle through their closets and pull out their deep-diving scuba equipment. Fred also insists on wearing a very tiny Speedo, perhaps because he feels somewhat threatened by all the muscles on Aquaman. Daphne finds this extremely exasperating. The team then head down to Atlantis, and soon they're at the old abandoned amusement park out back, you know, out back of Atlantis. There they split up to search for clues. Aquaman is paired with Shaggy and Scoob. The other three head in the opposite direction. Aquaman, Scoob, and Shaggy are walking on the seabed past the Over the Waves dark ride, an old ride that was supposed to show what life was above the surface. Curious, Shaggy asks if they can check it out, so Aquaman agrees and they walk in. They see the story of a young red-headed woman who, more than anything, just wants to live under the water, but she can't because she's a stupid human, and stupid humans don't breathe water, so she sings a song about it, and she plays with a dingle hopper as if it's some sort of eating utensil because she's stupid. Anyway, just as they are making their way through the ride, a hideous ghost crab pops up from behind one of the animatronic scenes. A g g g g g g ghost says Arthur Curry. And then Shaggy, Scoob, and Arthur, and the Ghost Crab go through a montage of running through the ride while some poppy bubblegum music plays in the background. We then cut over to Fred, Velma, and Daphne. Daphne has found some mysterious footprints on the sea floor, and they lead back to the wall of what looks like an Old West saloon, complete with fake seahorses tied up to a hitching post outside. Hey guys, look here. Fred looks and says, weird. The tracks look like they start here, but this one is cut off right at the wall. There must be some sort of secret door, says Velma, and the three begin looking for a trigger of some sort. Look, says Daphne, and she points to a small foot lever near the corner. So she steps on it and shunk a hidden door slid, slides open and the three go inside. There they find a desk with a big blueprint on it that says, my plan to take over Atlantis. This might be a clue, says Fred. Velma and Daphne share a knowing look. 
Fred, that poor idiot, in his teeny tiny speedo. The three leave the secret room to track down Shaggy, Scoob, and Aquaman, just as those three come barreling down the fairway. Aquaman collides with Velma. My glasses, she says, and she sticks out her hands, which make contact with Aquaman's extremely muscular chest. Um, you're still wearing your glasses, he says. Shut up, Aquaman, she says. Then she apologizes profusely for violating Aquaman's personal space and autonomy. Because, you know, I, I can't, I can't just let that joke lie. So guys, there's a monster chasing us, says Shaggy. It's a g-g-g-g-ghost crab, says Scooby. A ghost crab, you say, says Fred. Well, let's set a trap for it. And so the group quickly gets together, sets up this elaborate trap using the Ferris water wheel as a base of operations. Shaggy and Scoob are to be the bait, so they stand in front of the wheel and they have a totally natural conversation. And suddenly, the crab emerges from deep within the park and begins to advance menacingly. But just as it appears to be closing in, wham! Aquaman hits it with a bumper car. And then there's a general pylon, and the crab says, Oof! Ouch! Watch it, you punks! Now it's time to see who you really are, says Fred. And he grabs the crab's head and he pulls it. Pop! Off comes the costume crab head, and underneath is Orm Marius, the Ocean Master. Hang on a second, says Shaggy. And he grabs Ocean Master's face and pulls, revealing that that too was a mask. Old man Jenkins, says everyone, including Aquaman. So you're the one who wanted to take over Atlantis, says Daphne. I would have gotten away with it too if it hadn't been for you lousy kids and that Justice League reject, says old man Jenkins. Aquaman looks sad. But then the ocean police, I guess, show up and they take old man Jenkins away. And the group all parties down to some undersea rock and roll. And Aquaman decides to name them the Justice League, but for real, you guys. And a new superhero group is formed. The end. I love that. Also, uh, I'm going to start a jar for every... I love your mashups, but I'm going to start a jar for every time you start a mashup with so-and-so has a problem. Well, yeah, then you're... That's going to be every single one, then. <laughs> yes. I think somewhere there was around, one where you didn't do that. Somewhere around episode six or seven, I started. <laughs> it's okay. I love it. Uh, also, surprisingly, we have some similar through lines. Not surprisingly, maybe surprisingly. Anyhow, we have some similar through lines. Uh my mashup is called The Scooby Gang in Gold Fishy Business. Arthur Curry, a.k.a. Aquaman, had just been made fun of for the last time by the Justice League and decided he was leaving them to find a new gang. A quick search on his underwater search net, Glubble, brought him to the perfect solution, a company called Mystery Inc., Young Mystery Solvers for the Discreet Client. Oscar had only fought crimes in the past, but crimes and mysteries often go hand in hand, and these dudes looked pretty chill, so he quickly sent in a resume. When the Scooby gang got Arthur's resume, Shaggy was the one to open it. Arthur's curry, Shaggy thought. Yum, I love Indian, and I could use a snack. And he immediately called the number without even asking the rest of the gang. Arthur was confused as to why when Mystery Inc. called him, they asked for 12 orders of none, but he figured it was his first mystery to solve and it was probably an employment test. <laughs> so he rushed right over to the Coolsville address, stopping quickly by Roby Rody's restaurant to pick up the requested knot. When he arrived at the mansion that Mystery Inc. was housed in, he rang the doorbell. The gang, not expecting anyone, was really confused, even more confused after Shaggy said, oh, I ordered curry, and then he opened the door to a hunk who introduced himself as Arthur Curry. Arthur explained he was here to interview to join the gang and to help solve mysteries. Shaggy was a bit embarrassed and disappointed by the mix-up, but was quickly distracted by the delicious mountain of bread Arthur brought with him. Before Arthur could finish saying, what's the pay, Daphne shouted, you're hired! And that's how Arthur joined the Scooby gang. Serendipitously, that same hour, the gang got a call to solve a mystery. Some old millionaire seaside mansion was haunted, blah, 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 blah. They got there and split up to find out what was going on. The house was certainly creepy with taxidermied gulls and scummy fish tanks in every room. But two minutes into the search, Arthur called everyone back into the living room before they could even find the creepy ghost. I've solved it, Arthur said, and explained that the mansion wasn't really haunted. It was the millionaire's niece and nephew dressing up like pirate ghosts to scare the uncle out of his house so they could build a putt-putt course in its place. The gang asked how Arthur knew so quickly, and he said, oh, the goldfish saw the whole thing. 
While Shaggy and Scooby were thrilled to solve a case without any frights, the rest of the gang felt obsolete, especially since they charged by the hour. And Fred motioned to thank Arthur for his time and help and then let him go. And even Daphne had to begrudgingly agree. Thankfully, when Arthur got back home, he found a card from the Justice League apologizing for picking on him and asking him back. The Justice League never realized how many fish-based dilemmas they had to solve until he was gone. He accepted their apology, and they all lived splashily ever after. The end. I I, I love that uh, that yours took place in the Scooby world, and mine took mm-hmm. place in the Aquaman world. Um, <laughs> and and I also and- love that like yeah that we both gave Aquaman some very Scooby Doo like like uh, attributes and traits. Yeah, yeah. It turns out these two, like they'd probably make a really good team up. For all I know, and I should know this as a geek, but I don't, they've already teamed up in some cartoon somewhere. I mean, yeah, the like the crossovers with Scooby-Doo and various fictional and real characters, uh, mm-hmm. that list is long, and it could very well be that Aquaman has played an integral part in the Scooby-Doo episode. And I, too, would not be surprised to learn it, but I do not have firsthand knowledge of such a thing. So... Uh, that was fun, though, because it's it's always fun to take something that it, that is so formulaic, like a Scooby-Doo episode is incredibly formulaic. Mm-hmm. And then, well, what happens if you throw such and such into that formula? How can you play with that? Yeah. Um. So that's always fun. And I, I love that yours was that he just talked to the goldfish who saw the whole thing. That was great. I loved Thank it. You. I felt like it was a little bit of a cop out. I didn't give anybody a big mystery or haunts. Well, it's the subversion of expectation, right? Because as Mm -hmm. since Scooby-Doo is, I'm so glad I went first too, because I set up essentially like my, my mashup was essentially like a Scooby-Doo episode, right? It wasn't that Mm -hmm. different from 99% of the Scooby-Doo episodes that exist. So I set, I, I followed the trope and then you subverted the trope. By having it where instead of the montage of the monster chasing them all through the area and then finding clues and then eventually unmasking, you get to skip all of it because the goldfish saw it all. That that works a lot better because we had just heard <laughs> the more yeah. formulaic version. And that's why I really liked it. I don't think of it as a cop out. I think of it as a we're pointing out how how dependent that series was on the formula. Well, I will take that. Uh, And uh, listeners, if you have seen a TV show where they've mashed up Scooby-Doo and Aquaman, or if you have ideas of how this mashup could go differently than ours, another way to subvert the formula, you should write in and let us know. Right. And you can also write in to let us know if you have any properties you would like us to mash up or geek points of conversation you would love us to pursue. And uh, we would welcome all of that. The best way to send anything long form is via email. Our email address is lnc at iheartmedia.com. Or you can reach out on Twitter, where we are lnc underscore podcast, or on Facebook or Instagram, where we're Large Nerdron Collider. Yes, and uh, if you like the show, tell your friends, like, subscribe, leave comments, all that good stuff. Uh, That's how new people find us, and we have more geek friends to talk to. Uh, We really love it. Yes. And until next time, I am Jonathan Wet Curry Strickland. And I am Ariel Aqua Something Caster. Large Nerdron Collider is a production of iHeartRadio and was created by Ariel Kasten. Jonathan Strickland is the executive producer. This show is produced, edited, and published by Tari Harrison. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.
Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. You know that feeling when you walk into your home, take a deep breath, and feel new? Well, that's what it's like to use Clorox Sentiva. Because Clorox Sentiva smells like coconut, cleans like Clorox, and feels like energy. It'll elevate any cleaning routine to not just clean, but also make every room smell like a tropical coconut getaway. Discover how Clorox Sentiva's powerful clean and refreshing scents can transform your space. Get yours in Coconut or other fabulous scents at a nearby retail store. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-lunch pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.